a small part of me was like, if I have a backup job, it's going to be an archaeologist. Very sensible. Because that's so easy. And right. that's so, you know. That shows that you have layers, though, Talia. Thank you. Yeah. I, I love to dig deep. <laughs> My name's Quincy. My name's Kevin. And this is Sentimental Men. But keep your thumb away from that skip button. Because we're here to talk. And maybe scream. About our favorite women in musical theater. So exciting. This feels like it's been in the works for a very long time. Talia has kind of been in the Scent Men universe from kind of the beginning. Well, yeah, because I mean, she was... She's Lindsay's counterpart. Yeah, I don't even necessarily remember how we entered each other's spheres, but I do feel like we have been chummy with Talia from the start of this podcast, and I'm so excited that we finally are having her on for an episode proper. Episode proper, and uh, in a really exciting time, nonetheless. Yeah, really huge moment for someone so young to be making their tour de force Broadway return in this role. Yeah, what a triumphant return to the Great White Way. I'm so excited to see her because the tour bootlegs have been good to listen to. Ooh, bitch. Yes, <laughs> I agree. I can't wait. And I'm excited to see her and Brittany as a pair. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a really cool and interesting time to talk to Talia. Kind of do an exit interview of sorts from her tour run, but also talk about this transition period she's in before she starts to Broadway. Yeah. Yeah. Shall we go through Miss Suskauer's resume? We sure, we... We sure shall. (laughs) We sure shall. (laughs) So Talia Suskauer, I'm going to say like legendary move, made her, uh, let's say her New York debut uh, in the off-Broadway production of Be More Chill in 2018 And I want to say it was, like, four months after she graduated college, which I just think is, like, such an exciting uh, point in, like, a young actress's life. And to, Mm -hmm. like, jump right into one of the, like, coolest shows. Yeah, definitely. And then the following year, she transferred to Broadway Mm -hmm. with the show. So made her Broadway debut understudying uh, Christine, Brooke, Chloe, and Jenna. That sounds like a lot. Um, And she also was the assistant dance captain. Oh, she's a dancer? I feel like we don't hear that from our alphabas often. Maybe Talia is the dancing alphaba. That's the title of that, dancing alphaba. (laughs) (laughs) After Be More Chill, she made her wicked debut in her wicked debut uh, in 2019 on the second national tour, straight to principal Alphaba, baby. Which we'll let her tell the story, but I'm pretty positive this was like her first ever Alphaba audition and she booked. Again, we don't know if this is true, but has there been a booked off of one audition principal tour straight to principal Broadway pipeline before for an Alphaba? I am not the one to ask. (laughs) (laughs) Feels like a question I should know the answer to. So Talia's out on tour... Then the pandemic happens. So then we hit a brief pause on her Alphaba contract. She reopens the second national tour. And now in the year of 2022, she is transferring to the Broadway company, Principal Alphaba. This is, I mean, she's got a pretty legendary Alphaba journey so far. So I'm pretty pumped to hear about it. And you know what I kind of feel? I don't know why I feel this way, but it does, it's, 
feeling like Talia might be a Jackie Burns type where she's popping in for contracts every once in a while over the years and just being phenomenal. Like, it feels like that could happen, which I would love. And Elfie 911. Yeah, and Elfie 911 in Evergreen Elfie, if you will. How many different ways have we phrased this? <laughs> do we want to do a stuck in a should be? I feel like it's been so long since we've done one of these. I know, it has been. Okay, so I have a stuck on SJB today. Listeners, full disclosure, I may have spoken about this before, but I have come across a longer, more complete version of the video than I had ever seen before. And so that's what I'm going to talk about today. What we're going to talk about today is Stephanie J. Block and Andrew Rannells rehearsing Move On for the New York Pops concert. Oh, is this that video where she also sings Don't Rain on My Parade? I am familiar with that video, which is like a spliced together kind of sizzle sizzle reel of their rehearsal. Mm -hmm. um, but today when I was browsing, I was scrolling, 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 trying to get past like all the usual suspects. And I found a recording of the full rehearsal, the full song. And it's from Call Me Adam, which I don't know if you remember, but he, Call Me Adam was one of the like OG theater vlogs. Oh, I can picture the title screen, right? Yeah. But yeah, so not only do I love this video, but also big thanks to Call Me Adam, one of the OG sentimental men for paving the way for us. Yeah. <laughs> but so I'm glad that I have access to this full video now because that role, first of all, I would love to hear her, see her, experience her in that role. Oh, her and Sebastian could do that show together. Yeah. Oh wait, they sang that, right? They like to they like to switch ro uh, gender roles and sing it at things. Hearing SJB sing the dot line of this song, start to finish, it really hits like every part of her voice, which is um, just fun to listen to because the song kind of falls around her break and she navigates it really, really well. There's like lots of opportunities for like her rich, 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 rich low notes. But we also get some of her pretty soprano. And I think what's kind of interesting is like, because it's it's in like a concert setting, like for the pops, mm -hmm. that's kind of a scenario where like the score has to lead the way. Like, you you know, that's a really a moment to like be a score alpha buff, for lack of a better word. <laughs> score alpha. <laughs> when someone sings score in general now, <laughs> they're being a score alpha buff. <laughs> That was funny. Anyway, so while respecting the score, she finds all of these places to phrase the music in a way that makes it feel like a choice that she's making without altering the melody at all. Mm. First of all, I just love the pairing of her and Andrew Rattles. I like to think of them as close girlfriends who <laughs> who were so excited to, to sing together at the pops. <laughs> No, because, yeah, because, like, what a fun little treat to get to sing Sunday in the park with your GBL. With your Judy. Like, come on. And their two voices, they have both have such beautiful resonance in their voice that when they get to that big, um, move on, move on, it's like a wall of sound. It's so nice. Mm. One of my favorite Sondheim lyrics is anything you do, let it come from you. Like that last. Mm -hmm. And her delivery of it is so gentle and beautiful and lovely. Mm -hmm. 
And it just hit right where I needed it to yeah. today. You know, yeah. it was like a nice hug on this rainy afternoon. Did you see, I think it was either this week or last. Oh, uh-huh. there was some Instagram story business happening about a pal Joey workshop. Pal Joey with her as Vera. Which one I'm like, that had to like have been planned in some sort to allow them to post about it or like do we not you would think they would be like guys don't post about this if they wanted to keep it hush hush that to me felt like a little bit of like a soft launch announcement maybe but honestly thrilling yeah i mean that's delicious casting i just love knowing that sjb is back in new york city working on some she's in a room Mm -hmm. quincy do you have anything else that you would like to say to me oh i know what i can ask you have you listened mm-hmm. to the six live recording? Here's the journey I went on. I was trying to get to work early, uh-huh. and I normally have like a 20-minute subway commute. So I left my apartment at 9. I start at 10, typically. Left my apartment at 9, being like, well, I'm going to get there so early. It'll be nice. I can get set up. I didn't end up getting into the office until 10 a.m. for my oh 10 a.m. meeting. I was stuck underground on the queue. It was wild. And as I was like stuck underground in between stops, Taylor Swift released... Her version of This Love from 1989, Taylor's version. And the Six cast album dropped. So I listened to both. But Six, I only listened to I Don't Need Your Love, mm-hmm. Heart of Stone, mm-hmm. and No Way. That's your big three. Yeah. I think that's my big three. What's your six big three? I think the same three as you. I would say No Way, Heart of Stone, and All You Want to Do. Oh, but you you said I Don't, I was, need, I don't need Your Love. I love in Don't Lose Your Head, when at the end, when she sings... Oh, you haven't listened yet. I'm sorry. I mean, yeah, the vocal choices on the live are really something else. Yeah. Abby sounds... uh, So good. Like porcelain. Like, it's so... So good. Mm. Abby sounds like porcelain. Put that on the marquee. Um, Sorry, one second. Six Broadway. Okay, good talk. (laughs) Sorry. I thought we were just kind of shooting the shit out Let's get into it with Talia Suskauer. Good talk. I'll see you in there. (laughs) Talia Suskauer is here for the first time. Yes. First episode with Talia. I'm so happy. But I feel like you've been a part of the Scent Men family from the beginning. Yeah. Well, I've been a a true fan. So... (laughs) Because you did, I think, like a two truths and a lie for us like a while back, right? I did. And then we did like during the pandemic, we did a little like live (laughs) pandemic. We did a little live thing, right? Didn't we do that? Am I imagining this? No, yeah. It was like early on in the Scent Men journey. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to think about like what we even talked about, but I don't remember. Blacked out for the whole thing. Don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That was fun. Yeah. So like you've been with us from the beginning. This is the first time we're doing a real episode with you and I'm so excited. Me too. And it comes on the heels of a very exciting announcement, Ms. Suskauer. Yes. Uh, what, what is the announcement? I don't know. We're going to Broadway! Yeah, it's it's pretty wild. I honestly don't even believe it's happening, really. And for the, for the sake of people who will be listening later, you are in rehearsals right now. I am. I'm opening on the 24th. I started rehearsals on Tuesday, so I get a a short little truncated two-week mm-hmm. rehearsal period. Uh-huh. And do you feel like you need, because you like just finished your tour run, are you feeling like I really need these Broadway's rehearsals? I mean, there was a couple things in my brain that I needed. First of all, the show is like slight. I mean, it's the same exact show, but it's just different yeah. enough at the Gershwin mm-hmm. that like 
it can be very confusing coming. Mm -hmm. So it really, you have to kind of treat it like two different shows because they in essence are, this one was built for the Gershman stage and our version on tour was adapted to fit, you know, different touring houses. Oh yeah. So same story. The lines don't change. The music doesn't change, but the backstage traffic is the real, the real kicker with the Gershwin. Sure. Yeah. Okay, actually, wait, before we get into all of that, let's do like the standard alphabet interview. So let's start with the question, how did Wicked come into your life? Wicked, I remember the exact moment it came into my life. So I was in this little after school musical theater class, clearly in 2003 or something, you know, very, Mm -hmm. very early on. As you do. Yes, as you do. And this girl walks in, she has the Wicked vocal arrangements, which Mm -hmm. we, you know, we all have, we've all, we've all owned this at one point. Well, (laughs) we know how it feels in our hands. We know, we know what this is. (laughs) So she walks in and she goes, I will be singing popular. And my first kind of introduction into the Wicked world was popular. And I was like, this is so good. And then I wanted to sing popular. Oh, so she was a Glinda girl from the beginning. Well, I was like, popular. It's such a good song. And then I, you know, started listening to obviously the rest of the soundtrack. And I was like, wait, hold on. This is great. Oh, it's all good. Ditch Glinda. It's it's <laughs> just truly, there's no skip songs. Wow. It's great. Is that I truthful? mean, I mean, <laughs> we'll say for right now, there are no skip songs. It's all great. It's She's currently Alpha Bond Broadway. <laughs> yeah. And so my mom took my sister and I on a girl's trip to see the show um, in 2005. Oh, early. Yeah. I saw Shoshana Bean and Megan Hilty. Iconic, mm. iconic little pair. From that point on, it was like, I, it was at Wicked all the time, truly. And did you always want to be a performer? Like, was that the dream from little girl age? Yes, absolutely. At what point did you go from just like loving Wicked so much to being like, no, but also I'm going to play Alphaba? Like, when was that moment? I'm sh- I think it was sometime in high school where I was, you know, started to be validated by my like teachers and, and parents and friends mm. like, oh, you, you know, you're really good at this. You know, yeah. I decided I was going to go to college for it. And you're kind of nothing without your dreams and your goals. And that was one that I had set for myself from that young age. I was like, I, if I do one thing, if I do one thing in my life, I will play this part. Oh. And mm-hmm. I think I like tw- like we all had a little angsty high school Twitter. I think I tweeted it out. It's not private, but I tweeted it out and I was like, I will play this part if it's the last thing I do. Something like really like, I, I will find it and I will send it to you guys. But it was, it, yeah. it's cool to look back <laughs> on now and be like, girl, yeah. you did it. And did you think, because Wicked wasn't the first professional job you booked. We no. did Be More Chill first. When did you think Wicked would come into your life as like a job? Like, did you think it would happen this early? Because you're still young. Yeah, absolutely not. Like 100% no, which actually I think worked in my favor. So, I mean, you hear stories of people going in for this show. Wicked's an institution, you know, people go Mm -hmm. in for Wicked like five to 12 times potentially before even hearing anything. So when I first got, I I first got my audition appointment right as Be More Chill was closing. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, all right, need another job. But in my brain, I was like, this is truly going to be the first of 12. This is like, leave a good impression on them. Right. That's it. That's my only goal is to have fun singing this music that I love and leave a good first impression. And if I can walk away from this like five minute chunk doing that, then I have one. That's amazing. Right. And I set absolutely zero pressure on myself. So Mm. that I did not expect that after, you know, my appointment and callback that it would happen for me. I right. was certainly a pleasant surprise, but I mean, it was... And was that the audition process for tour? It was one appointment and a callback? So I got the appointment. I was actually doing a reading of something at the time. And 
you know, you're kind of stuck during the day when you're doing a reading because you committed for 29 hours to do this reading. And yeah. so I got the appointment and it was like, tomorrow, come in, Alphaba and Wicked, immediate replacement for tour. So it was mm. like to, to leave in like two weeks to join the company. Oh, so you went in knowing that it was for full-time Alphaba. Yes. But still in my brain, you're like, oh, you know, like, even if I don't get this one, they could keep me in mind for standby in the future right. or understudy There's in the a future. binder. There's a file. There's absolutely a file. And so that was, it was truly the only goal was to leave a good first impression. So I went in, I did my one, my first initial, and I showed up to the waiting room at Telsey and I was the only girl there, like not in a long black dress. And I was like, <laughs> I fucked up. I messed up. What did you wear? I wore jeans and a black t-shirt. I, I didn't sure. like, which is a very alphabet kind of like in hindsight thing for, to do. You know, she shows up and she's right. like, oh, well, I'm out of place. Um, but like, who cares? Because that's it. That's how I feel comfortable. So I, I kind of always right. dress like, I never dress really in character. I always kind of dress like with a little hint of it. So I can feel mm-hmm. comfortable and not like a robot in the room, you know? Right. So um, I showed up and I just did that call. And then... Did you do the packet at that point or was it from your book? So no, not from the book. It was the packet. I did Defying Gravity and The Wizard and I, just the ends of the songs, which is a fun... What's in your book? What's your go-to song? (sighs) In my book? Oh my God, I haven't looked looked in my book. It's been truly several years. Because she's bugged. Quincy, sorry, I've been working. Yeah. (laughs) Well, well, I mean, pandemic included. Who looked in their book during sure. the pandemic? But I've been on the road since 2019. What is my like yeah, go-to wow. song? It's not musical theater. It's a Janis Joplin song, actually. Oh, cool. Why is that always the alphabet move to not do a theater <laughs> because song? Because it's like, I mean, again, that's very alphabet. It's, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, but I mean, I, it's Cry Baby by Janis Joplin. It's like my go-to, like, Ooh. stand and park and bark and wail for 16 bars and then leave. Goodbye, you know. Yes. Okay. So you do the packet. Do the packet. And then I did, I think, one scene. I think I did the Lion Cup scene. Yeah. And then that was it. And then I left and I felt really good. I didn't think I booked it because who whoever does, you know, out of those things. And I asked my agent for feedback and she didn't get back to me immediately. And then we closed Be More Chill. I was off doing something else in Massachusetts. And then I got a call and was like, okay, your feedback is that you're going in for a final callback tomorrow. So get back to New York as soon as you can. <laughs> I love and that. so I'm like, like racing back to New York, truly getting on like the first train the next day, trying to get back from Massachusetts. And then like, I had the very last slot of the day at Telsey. The lights were off at Telsey, I remember, except for this one room. I love that. And I walked in and I had like a 45 minute appointment. And then, wow. okay. then that was it. Still, at the end of it, I was like, no, whatever. It was fun, but who who's going to get Alphaba, you know? So, right. Mm-hmm. But what was your confidence level as a performer at this point? Because I think your voice is like insanely oh. solid. Oh, thank you. I mean, here is a little anecdote that will tell you about my confidence level. So I get the call. <laughs> I leave. I have no time to like prepare. Like ideally in my brain at the time, I would have wanted like two weeks of vocal lessons in the city, like doing all Mm. this stuff and then going. I had zero time for that. I had to (sighs) go back to the city, pack up my life in like two days and then get on a plane to California where the tour was. Mm. So I get there and I meet with the music director and we have our first rehearsal. And before we start the rehearsal, I said to him, listen, um, I just want to tell you, I think they've made a mistake. (laughs) I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can do this. Like, I I wanted this. I don't know. I don't. He goes, honey, Wicked doesn't make any mistakes. Put that on a t-shirt. And I said, okay. 
And then sung through all the material. And he was like, see, you got it. You're fine. And so I think still you always have kind of a sense of, even to this day, of um, imposter syndrome because right. it's a huge monumental task. So at that point, I was I was definitely kind of quaking in my boots a little bit. And they only, at that time, they're like four weeks to learn alphabet. And I'm like, that's not enough. I need like 10 months to learn alphabet. Right. You don't. You don't. So by the, by the fourth week, I was ready to like get on the stage. I asked, actually asked, Marianne Torres, who I was replacing, like, goddess. Mm, I was like, what's the secret? Like, what's the key? And she goes, you just have to do it. And that's, like, not an answer that you want to hear because it's like, I want, like, the little secret that's going to help me. There's no secret. It's just you have to just do it. And it's true. You just have to get your reps in. And then your confidence starts to build. Yeah. Having been a fan of the show for such a long time and also someone who was, like, actively dreaming of playing this part for a long time, did you, like, go in with kind of, like, this is my alphabet or specific things that you were like, Oh, this person used to do this. And I think I would want to do that in my performance. Um, kind of, I think, I think mainly I just wanted to like be able to produce something on the stage. So I, I don't think I can't, I think in the beginning I, I didn't really have any expectations. What was cool is that you kind of go in and you learn what's on the page. And I yeah. love that because what's on the page is so good. And are you going into that first rehearsal? This is interesting, like learning the role completely new. Are you going in kind of off book already? Like I, I mean, have studied the script. The script kind of, but like we all have like Adina's voice in our head from that soundtrack. Like we have her rhythms, we have her intonations, right. we have her tone in our brain, you know? Mm. So I think that going in, and we have to keep in mind, I think they recorded the soundtrack before they even started in New York. Right? I think that's... Is that true, Tom? Yeah. So, because if you re- if you notice, like, a lot of things are different um, when you see the show. Like, Dancing Through Life. Is Saskia are telling the sentimental men something new? That would be cool. <laughs> I really hope I'm not wrong about you this. Are. I think someone told me this. <laughs> well, fact check. Well, yeah. Please fact, fact check. But what's cool is that, like, things are different. Like, you listen to Dancing Through Life, for example, and then you listen to it in the show. It's so slow on the album. So mm, slow. It is. And it is so just has so much more no pun intended life to it um when you watch it. <laughs> and also um that whole thing that Adina does in as long as you mind the you know, like before That's the song different. Comes, that was because she was, I think, just warming up. Sure. And she just and they and they kept it on there because obviously she's brilliant. So it sounds right, so good. Yeah. yeah, heard that somewhere. What was it? Wow, I, I like straight Talia. from the topic. No, but I'm sure oh. that you just dropped that knowledge. Well, okay, I'm a wicked super fan. So anyway, um, yeah, so I think I was just going in just kind of just wanting to just do it. You know what I mean? I just I didn't Mm -hmm. have anything that I necessarily like wanted to put in there. And what's cool is that you sing from what's on the page and then they give you a little bit of freedom as you move through. They just want to make sure you have everyone starts kind of singing at that baseline. And then they're like, hey, Mm -hmm. if you actually want to take this option, you can. I am Mm -hmm. not so adventurous when it comes to that stuff. I really like things to be planned. So if something new just just come into my performance, it's it's been planned and it's been asked. Like I've asked, you know, the, the oh. music team, like, is so this you're not like a, I'm gonna do it and get a slap on the wrist later. No, no, because then like, God forbid, it's bad and it's distracting. It takes away from like what you're saying and it's just sure. you know, it's, it's there's not it's not worth it to me. Integrity of the piece, absolutely. Hmm. Okay, so going into the role on tour. Which kind of like take yourself back to the beginning of your contract. What were things that as you were doing it, having grown up being a fan of the show, you were like, oh, I was not expecting it to be this difficult or even like this experience in the role. I don't think I was expecting the scene work to be harder than the singing. 
Elaborate. Yeah, say more. Alphaba is always kind of like at 100. She's really always at, on her guard. And so right out of the gate in your first scene, you are yelling. Mm-hmm. And you are aggressive. And then you have to bring it back down to seeing the wizard knife. So there's a lot of vocal manipulation that has to happen in order for you to like kind of like raise and lower your soft palate, make sure your larynx is low enough for you to start the song, like singing again after screaming. So you, there's a lot of things that you have, like a lot of pacing of the show that you have to do to, to make sure that you can get through it. Because mm-hmm. we're trained to sing. We're not often trained to really like speak. Speak and yell, yeah. You know, healthfully. So that takes some getting yeah. used to. And would you say that Alphaba is typically how you like to sing? It's where I, I, I love to live there. I, I mean, it's either there or like super like rocky, folky type sound. But this mm-hmm. is very like musical theater, high belt. But actually most of Alphaba lives in the mid range, like B's and C's. It sounds mm-hmm. high because it's so dramatic. Like the end of Wizard and I, I think is a C. Yeah. Which is so mid range. But oh, I mean, I actually, the higher stuff is so much easier for me. And I think, I have to say, I think most women would agree, most uh, women that play off them might agree with me, might agree with me, <laughs> that like the definitely is like easier to do than like, ah, you know, at the end of the song. Mm. So th- that stuff is, is hard to navigate, but those places where you can kind of pop up and open up for me are, are easier. That's gotcha. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We talk a lot about how, like, going back to what you said about, like, having Adina's voice in your head is, like, her voice is so unduplicatable that it's, like, dozens of women have just been <laughs> tasked with the marathon of, like, keeping up for a show that was keyed and orchestrated and arranged around her. Yes. It's wild. It's absolutely wild. But what's so cool is that on days where I'm like, this is so hard. I don't know if I'm going to get through it. You just think of how many women have done it before you. And you're like, they got through Mm -hmm. it, you know, on their hardest day, which is so I can get through it in Little Rock, Arkansas today. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I I got it. I got it. So when you first started, did you feel like you had a good grip on it? Or did it take a little bit to settle in? Oh, it definitely takes a bit, at least to even feel like you have it under you for I think Elphaba in the beginning feels like a train that is just taken off and you're just trying to like hang on to the caboose Mm. like from behind. And then it takes a couple months to be like, oh, I'm driving this train now. Uh Um, Mm. So, yeah, I think that with anything, it just takes some time to to feel like you have a mastery of it. And again, I don't feel like necessarily I I am a master of it, but I feel like I, I can get through it every night and feel like a person on the other side of it. Well, and my perception of you and the way that you talk about the role is that it's not maybe as difficult for Talia as it is for other women who have played the role. I don't know. I I think that different things are, are different for me. Um, mm. Like, I feel like body, I'm really tired oftentimes. Um, mm. I also will not show up to the show if I can't sing it that day. I won't show yeah. up because you have a standby and an understudy that can give 100%. So... I don't, I don't even let myself run into trouble that way. And if you don't let yeah. yourself run into trouble that way, you're not going to. Which feels like a good boundary to draw. especially. Yeah, it's not worth it. You know what I mean? First of all, don't hurt yourself. You, you want to have a career afterwards. Because right. it is a hard sing and it's a hard speak. It's a really hard mm-hmm. speak. And you're speaking and singing for three hours. And that's including when you're not on stage, you know, in the way that you have to deal mm-hmm. and talk with, with people backstage to make sure you're feeling safe and what you need, whatever. But I think that... I underestimated the the toll it would take on my body. It's, you know, I wear knee pads the whole show. You're constantly going up and down and running and 
and falling and throwing your body into such an emotional state. Mm -hmm. So in that way, it is really, really hard. But yeah, if you don't let yourself run into vocal treble, then it won't be difficult for you. You know, like Mm -hmm. you take off shows before it can get bad for you, you know? Negatively impact your health. Yeah. So in that way, I feel like I'm proud of myself and that I, I I don't, it's not so precious to me if if I call out of a show because I'm just about to get tired rather than calling out when I'm like when on like the brink of like a vocal, it's not vocal failure. It's also not fair to the audience. Like they should feel really confident in the person that they're seeing. And like you should be mm-hmm. able to listen to someone and be like, I'm not worried about them, you know? That's interesting because it feels like you, the way you talk about this role and the way you approach this role feels very mature and seasoned. And it's interesting to think that you're still so fresh and young in your career. Not that like, no, it, that's yeah. anything to poo poo, but it's like, you're kind of just beginning in this professional career of yours. And for you to have this kind of insight and foresight of the role is very admirable, I think. Well, I think, well, thank you. I think I've spoken to a lot of women who have played this role and- learned a lot from so many of them and just I've, I've decided if you decide in your brain that like you you are in charge of the experience you're about to have rather than mm-hmm. letting it rule you I think that mm-hmm. it's going to be what it is for you you make the experience rather than let the experience make you you know so yeah I'm trying I mean we'll see we'll talk again in like a couple months and I'll be like <laughs> help me you know but wait so how far into your tour contract did you feel fully settled and like I got this so I started in September of 2019. I feel like, honestly, maybe around February of 2020. Uh-huh. And again, I don't think the audience could tell I wasn't settled. Yeah. I think that was fine. Mm-hmm. But the way I felt in February was like, yeah, come see me do the show. I love this job. I'm having a great time. And I feel like I'm, I'm, I've hit my stride. Did that stride maintain when you came back after the shutdown? Or did you feel like you were starting at zero again? I don't think I started at zero, but I think that I was really nervous because for the first couple months of the pandemic, I was like singing every day and like trying to keep it up. And Just in up. case it comes back right, next week. Right, exactly. Because yeah. <laughs> that's what we all thought initially. And mm-hmm. I think that once we all realized that, okay, it's going to be a few more months. Oh, wait, it's going to be a year. Oh, wait, it's going to be a year and a half. I kind of let it go because for my mental health, I was like, this is not good for me because I don't mm-hmm. know when this is coming back. And if it doesn't come back, I have to prepare myself for that. Yeah. Was there a part of you that was like, maybe I'm just going to do a different job? Yeah, I had to come to terms with that, I think. I think we, as, as we all kind of did. Yeah. And so for a while, I didn't want to hear Wicked. I didn't want to, I didn't want to talk about mm. it in my house. I, it really just upset me because I, I would have been devastated if I didn't have any closure with this. But mm-hmm. thank goodness that that's not the case. Um, yeah. But when it became clear that we were going to come back, I started my voice lessons up again and started getting on the treadmill again and singing the songs and doing all of it and using my household broom as a broom and going through the stuff. And <laughs> I think coming back to it, what was cool is that we were kind of at all on the same page, like level playing field, like every actor, ensemble, crew member, management, we were all doing it together and starting over together. So it didn't take as long for me to hit my stride as I did the first time. I felt like I like knew how to place things and I knew kind of the roadmap of the show. But mm-hmm. I think with Alphabus, stamina is so important and it just takes doing it and doing it and doing it for you to get back into it. So probably by a couple months in, I felt really good this time. I don't know if Lindsay told you that. Julia Murney is the one who told us that you were taking over on Broadway. What? We were- <laughs> 
No, that's crazy. We were gossiping with her about who was taking over, and we said someone that we had heard, and she was like, oh, that's interesting, because I heard it was the tour girl that's taking over. (laughs) Wouldn't that be funny if it was, like, before I had even heard anything, and she just, you know what I mean? Which I wouldn't, like, be surprised about, because she's Julia Murney. Julia Murney is BCC'd on every Wicked email. As she should be, as she should be. So, that's hilarious. I didn't know that. She gets the house report. (laughs) So, how did the ask come to you, and what was the reaction? What was the thought process? So I had, you know, heard some maybe mutterings around it, like in the fall, just, you know, it's a possibility. So keep up, keep it up, you know, and. And had you known that people were like coming in to see you? I mean, well, I had worked with the original team to remount the show. Oh, You know, so we worked together for 10 days and like it was a total gift. And truly, if the buck had stopped there, like. That would have been totally fine because it was Mm -hmm. so special to work with Joe Mantello and the entire original creative team who hadn't necessarily been all in the the same room together for years and years. And he would, you know, he came in and he changed some things that he didn't like. And it was just like he put the show up on us again. And so it was an amazing experience and very, very validating to hear months later that everyone had a good experience with me. And again, if it had stopped there great like I would have been so humbled and and grateful for that I am still to this day but so I heard some mutterings in the fall again I don't think anything's real until it's real and so I wasn't mm-hmm. you know I wasn't riding on that dream I was just kind of doing my thing and I'm enjoying. sure it was in your head of course you know you want to do a good job and so then we were in California and I had found out that I was, I mean, I I knew my contract was ending on March 20th, regardless. I was done. I was leaving. Mm. We were moving on. But then it starts to become real to you. You know, you're leaving. And so I had to kind of come to terms with that. And we got to Costa Mesa, California. And I got a call early in the morning because it was, you know, not early East Coast time. And it was my agent. And she goes, okay, I'm looping in your manager. And I'm like, oh, this is something. And so I was in my true pajamas. The call like woke me up. I like ran outside because I was like, something's happening. I don't know what it is, but I have like a little feeling. And then they called me and they were like, we just got your Broadway offer. And I was like, huh? <laughs> what? And I fell on the ground and started crying. And it was just, it was an amazing day. Oh my God. Well, okay. So yeah, we've heard from the women who have done multiple contracts about like where mentally they reach a point where they're like, I need to leave and like not come back to this show. Yeah. Was that a thought in your brain at all? Or was it just like, we're obviously doing Broadway? I think that with with anything that you do, um, once you're getting towards the end, your body and mind are like, let's be done. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, so I think my body was at the end of tour. I knew I was coming to an end and tour had been such a long, drawn out chapter because, you know, I was cast in August 2019 and it's 2022 and so much has happened. And it's just felt like this on again, off again relationship. And it was truly the most incredible experience. The family I made out there. I mean, there's nothing like being going on tour. It's just Mm -hmm. your family. And we were are literally trauma bonded from what we all went through, um, which is which is kind of sad and cool all at the same time. Yeah. And so I think I was like, it's time to close this chapter. If I continue with Wicket, you, they they say once a munchkin, always a munchkin, and it's really true. You don't you, you don't ever really leave Wicked. Um, yeah. You know, it's kind of a thing that people come back to time and time again because it is such a special experience. So I was like, if my time is ending for now, that's okay. 
And I, Do you I think was we'll be doing this again in 40 years and you'll be horrible <laughs> on Broadway? <laughs> hey, I think we need to, someone has to start the Alphabet and Horrible pipeline because, like, I know. We are overdue for it. It has to be coming. We are overdue for it. Do I want to play horrible in 20 years? You bet. <laughs> so. Maybe not. Yeah, four years. But. It feels like a cushy role for the former Alpha Buzz to just filter are into. You, are you kidding me? Like strutting on stage and just like looking fierce. But I mean, I think by the time I was leaving tour, I was like, it's time to go um, mm-hmm. to something else. Just like at the end of any any chapter. But hearing that I was, it was cool to be able to kind of fully live in the end of tour, knowing that I yeah. was moving on. I feel really lucky. Um, because I was able to be like, I, I'm buttoning up this experience in such a positive way. And then I'm going to rest up and then we're going to move on to a different chapter of this. Yeah. Cause it's New York kind of home base for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I lived here before tour and then I yeah. gave up my apartment, um, that I was in before tour, uh, during the pandemic. And then, mm-hmm. so I moved to Florida with my family and then, you know, now live like right around the corner from the Gershwin, which is really cool. So <laughs> Are you in the Lindsay apartments? I'm not. Oh my goodness. That'd be cool though. It's just like the alphabet dorm. Can you even imagine? I honestly think that would be an amazing idea. So I think that's a good TV show. I, I have this like reality TV show in mind where it's just like all these former alphabets in a house and like I'm the Andy Cohen. Kevin and I can be the Andy Cohen. Wait. <laughs> Wait, that has to happen. So I think good. that's great. Or just like an alphabet round table. Yeah. That'd be good. With well, a lot of wine. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I do think there is something to like being back at your home base and being able to do the show and not traveling. Well, that's it. I mean, I think that, and I I get this question a lot and I don't know the answer quite yet, but I can kind of guess the answer. I mean, people ask what's harder, like tour or Broadway. And I think they're hard Mm -hmm. for different reasons. On tour, you don't have the same dresser wherever you go. Your, your team is changing, you know, when you play Mm -hmm. Alphaba. Um, and you're also, you know, moving from climate to climate. You know, I opened in Las Vegas, then went right to New Orleans. So from dry to the literal, you know, swamp. Um, so yeah. as, a, as a singer, that can be really, really tough. And then the theaters that you're playing, some, you know, have mold and some are super pristine and new and they have different mm-hmm. filtration systems and the air feels different. And the houses are different sizes. So you have to adjust vocally. Like that's the whole tour game. And then with Broadway, you get to come home every night, which is amazing. <laughs> you have your whole team of people that are the same. There's a level of consistency. You have your your grocery stores and your chiropractor and your doctors. They're all there. And your family and friends. They're, they can come see you in one place. And, you know, everything's more accessible in a place that you know. But Wicked on Broadway, I mean, there's a, you're on a rake stage. You're, there's a lot of running. There's an incredible amount of going up and down stairs. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're kind of both equally hard in different ways. We were talking to Lindsay about life and career post-Wicked. And she kind of was like, I mean, like, what do you do after Wicked? There is that kind of pressure of following it up. But then also it's like you're just a working actress. So move on to your next job. Can you speak to that a little bit? Because I think it's interesting that you're doing Alphabus so fresh in your career. I feel very lucky because I feel like people look at the women that have played Alpha and they're like, it speaks for itself in terms of reputation and the skill set that you need to be able to play this role. Mm -hmm. So I think that I feel very fortunate because playing it this early, people will see that I've done it and be, and hopefully 
you know, after I leave here, it'll be like, oh, great. You know, we know that she can do all of this stuff. Let's call her in for this or see her for this. Right. We know that this, this is her baseline. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we can only hope that it's successful and that people hear about that. And I think I- I've watched it happen with the other women. I mean, Lindsay's a prime example. She's, you know, so wonderful. Mm-hmm. She's an amazing person. She's an absolutely fantastic alphabet. And look what she's about to do, you know? Um, yeah. And like right away. So it gives me a lot of hope. Yeah. Yeah. We talked with her, as you know, as you know, like a week ago. (laughs) Um, And she was saying what a like unique relationship the two of you have as Alphabuzz because you both went through reopening together and now you're replacing her, trailing her, and she's about to go out, not on your tour, but on a tour. Yes. She is my sister for life. I... You know, when you first, I mean, I hope other alphabets do this, but when I found out, I was already on tour playing the role I had been for several months when she was cast. So I reached out to her when I found out and I was like, hey, you know, if you need anything, I'm here for you. The Green Girl Sisterhood, blah, 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 blah. And we had started, you know, kind of chatting then and then. Yeah, because you fully formed a friendship because you both were alphabet, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think there's there's yeah. a baseline of like, girl, you're my built-in sister. I'm here for you. Hannah Corno did the same thing for me. When I started, mm. she was like, I'm here for you. I've got your back. And like, it really means something to just go to someone who has this shared experience that probably mm-hmm. 0.01% of people have. Um, yeah. And it's it's kind of different when you're venting to like a friend who hasn't done it than a friend who has done it, who completely yeah. understands the specific experience you have. So I reached out to Lindsay. We started chatting. Pandemic happens. Shows are are kaput they're done and we are just each other's like how are you feeling what are you doing what have you heard from your company you know what's going on and so our friendship started that way and when i tell you that we've talked almost every day for a year and a half that's what we did Mm. and um and then reopening i mean she came to see us in dallas she flew out of her way to dallas her and jenny which was amazing. Came to see the show yeah. in Dallas. Oh my God, that Mount Rushmore picture. That iconic with of the four of you. Uh, <laughs> that was so yeah. special. And then we, um, you know, I saw her when I came to New York. I didn't get to see the show um, because I gotcha. couldn't, but because I was there on a Monday. I think they didn't have Monday show. Mm-hmm. I got in on a Sunday. Didn't, I saw her, gave her a big hug. We went out to eat. She's the best. Um, and then, you know, getting to tell her that like I would be taking over her for her was really cool because it's weird to take over for somebody that you don't know. It's just a weird thing. Mm, I've done both, mm. you know? So it's like weird coming in and like being like, I have to trail you and I don't want to invade your space, but I also have to learn the show, you know? Yeah. Like it's, yeah. But it's a thing you have to do and you can't, and it's up to the person who is leading the show to be like, hey, I've got you. I'm going to show you the ropes and do this thing. Just be good about it. And sometimes you don't get like a nice person, unfortunately. But you hope to be the person to do that. And I hope I was that for Alyssa coming in on tour. I tried to, like, give her every tip and trick, and hopefully it wasn't too much. (laughs) Um, But she's fantastic. And then with Lindsay, she has just been – I mean, it's like I get to, first of all, hang out with one of my best friends at the theater every day. So that's a gift. Yeah, how has rehearsal been? It's been a lot. It's been crazy. (laughs) It's it's amazing. But getting to pop by her room every night and be like – yeah. hey girl how you doing you know, <laughs> like check in it's been amazing like getting to see her and like getting to see her by the way like get green and get degreened and like i've been after rehearsal coming to her dressing room and while she's you know post show and she's taking out all off and 
we're, we come and we have a conversation and we're just chilling there together. And it's so amazing. And I'm so sad. It's only for one more week. And then she leaves me. So the famous question, define gravity, no good deed, the wizard and I, which alphabet would you categorize yourself as? What order was that? <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, let it slide. Let it slide. Um, I, oh, this is hard. I mean, I feel like every night I'm a define gravity alphabet. It's just my favorite song to do. It's just the most incredible moment for the audience to watch. And like, I will never, mm-hmm. it's a core memory watching Define Gravity for the first time. And you're like, Elphaba's mm-hmm. flying over you. And you're like, Ugh. you know, yeah. um, it's breathtaking. And to get, I literally can see people's faces in the audience as I'm going up, go, <gasps> and it is so cool. And yeah, so yeah. even if I'm not feeling my best, getting to do that and watch people have that like emotional, visceral, like, cathartic reaction is that's what it is that's it it's catharsis and watching them have that it's just i mean there's nothing like it there's nothing like it um but then you know on nights where you're really in your feels and you know you need more than just to find gravity to like really get it out to just rip (laughs) no good deed and just get it all out there is cathartic for me as the actor so i mean what's the easiest and hardest for you to sing Wizard Night is the hardest, as I'm sure is a popular okay. answer. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just right out of the gate. And it's also the song where I kind of like can get my nerves out a little bit. So like I have to just like mm. settle. Uh, Define Gravity, I feel like is probably the easiest. Um, sure. Yeah. Just because you, yeah. you get to park and bark, baby. You get to, you get to just stand there and sing it. <laughs> That's so, true. Yeah. That's- I guess, yeah, you don't really think about that. There's yeah. so much happening around you, but you really are very still in that moment. Yes, it's the hardest park and bark ever because you just kind of have to like be in a certain like position to sing and like make it look good. But you're, I'm still standing there and not moving. If I moved, yeah. I would die. And does having your feet so close together, I love me asking this so far into the sentimental man journey, but does having your feet so close together affect your ability to belt or no? I mean, it's not ideal. Yeah, that's because you know you really. For me, I really like to feel rooted into the ground and grounded, and that that doesn't really happen when your feet are there. You kind of can be pushed when your feet are together, and like you don't feel so stable. Uh, But you have no choice; you have to adapt. Um, You can't be like, "Can you please make it wider for me?" Um, (laughs) Just stand apart, (laughs) please. Um, Does not work, so you kind of have to adapt to it. (laughs) But it's fine when you get used to it. I keep worrying about those girls in Hamburg who have to do it harnessed. I cannot believe that is happening with the harnesses. We said bring it to New World stages. (laughs) Yeah, transfer it. (laughs) Off Broadway Wicked. I can't imagine singing in in a harness, but they sound fierce, so... Okay, Talia, so we have a new segment that we introduced this season where we take listener questions, and we thought you'd be good to, like, do this one together. Yay! Dearest darling is Kevzy and Quincical. It is your Sentimental Men standby slash cover, the Eden to y'all's collective Adina, James Kennedy here, with a question for you. If your life were like Groundhog Day and you were living the same day in perpetuity over and over again for the rest of your life and you could only see one cast of Wicked 
every single day for the rest of your life, who would be in that cast? It can be a dream cast. It doesn't necessarily have to be actors who have done the show before or actors who have done the show together, but it's one cast that you would see for the rest of your life every single day. I cannot wait to hear your answers. Talia, it's looking like you already have an answer. Yeah, obviously. I mean, oh my god. Yeah, I, it's so funny because I just watched one bootleg in college over and over and over again. And it would be this cast. It would be Stephanie J. Block and Annalie Ashford. Mm, I know the bootleg well. And that's it. The acting and comedy chops of both of them combined, like just like take away their voices. That's a funny cast. Yeah, yeah. it's funny, and but also that's also like, an acting cast. Actors, they are actors first, even though they're both mm-hmm. singers. You know, like which w- the singing's like a bonus, but those like that's like Elfa and Glinda for me. That's true. That's like an acting first pair that can sing the material very well as well. Yes, that was a really good answer. My answer is. Shoshana Bean, because I feel like she is not the type to like set her show. So I feel like if I'm going to keep watching it over and over again, I'm going to get a different performance from her as time goes on. It's very logical. Just variety. Yeah. And for my Glinda, I'm having a real struggle with this. And I'm going to choose the one that I'm going to choose because I think Kevin might choose my alternate. I'm not going to, but (laughs) I have a very, I have a very specific answer that I, for this question. Okay, for the Glinda, I'm gonna choose Katie Rose Clark. And I feel like Katie Rose Clark is always the Glinda I choose for these types of questions, <laughs> but like, that's the Glinda I wanna watch forever. I'm gonna take advantage of the asterisk and I'm gonna go outside of the canon. Whoa. And I'm gonna give myself the permission to use a time machine too, just because it's it's Groundhog's Day. There's no reality okay. here. So I'm gonna choose Betty Buckley and Madeline Kahn. <laughs> that's just my dream cast. Forever, always. You just... That was too much of a curveball. That was... Okay. (laughs) That wasn't the prompt. It was. You just blew my mind with Madeline He said one cast. It could be anybody. Wow. I feel like my answer is, like, so obvious then. I know. Wow. I'm dead. That was fun. I'm glad we did this. Me too. (laughs) Yeah. Good question, James. Oh, my God. Talia, thank you for joining us on Sentimental Men. It feels so right to finally have you here. I'm so happy. I'm going to Hawaii on Thursday, but I will see you on Broadway when I get back. (laughs) Yay. Oh, my God. Have fun. I'm going home for a wedding. Oh, I mean, not a bad place. You're not going to, like, I don't want to say a state in case someone will get mad at me, but, like... Kevin, it feels so right that we have finally spoken to Talia Soskauer. Sorry, I know I just threw you into this conclusion segment. I was ready. Okay. I'm, I'm here. I'm an open scene partner. <laughs> I'm just like very happy that we talked to her. I feel like it's been in the works for a long time. I feel like she's been in the Scentman universe. I'm glad that we could finally bring her in. Yeah, and she's always been game to like play with us before. So I feel like she brought that into the interview room today. And it was just like, she showed up, she knew the shtick, she got the energy right. Which I will say, like, every guest we've had has been very, we've been lucky in that every guest we've had so far has understood our shtick, which is nice. But I do think that there's, like, an alternate universe where, like, you and me are Torin Broadway, Elphaba, and and Lindsay and Talia 
are the podcasters. <laughs> I have a podcast called Sentimental Ladies. Who was on tour and who was on Broadway first? I think. Okay, wait. I before was on you Broadway answer. first, because oh, because no, go ahead, Kevin. <laughs> just because Broadway's a little bit more of a depressed Wicked, and I feel like oh. tour is like a is like a younger, peppier Wicked. That's fair, and I feel like tour would let me do the Wicked that I would want to do. Although famously, I would be a score alphaba if I was, sure. just because riffing is not in my wheelhouse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. I feel like you'd be a riffy alphaba. No score, baby. No, you wouldn't be a. You'd be an option alphabet. I'd be you an option. Be riffy, yeah. You'd be option. I'd be an option alphabet for sure. So now, as you get ready to go out out on tour with Mean Girls, I'm cozying up at the Gershwin. You'd be a good Janice. Thanks, Quincy. All right. So anyway, I loved when Talia was talking. <laughs> <laughs> when Talia was talking about. Working with the creative team, the original creative team. That was really when, cool. Because I didn't, I don't think I like that clicked for me that they also reset the tour. I feel the, like the, the narrative that like we as sent men have been driving home is that the original creatives came back and like got the show back on its feet for Broadway. We have been excluding the tour in this narrative. And I apologize for that. But how um interesting then that that gave talia the opportunity to have like a two week long audition for broadway well that's the thing where i'm like oh wow so she got to like form those like personal relationships with the team and that had to have been like beneficial for her just like in life um but there's also a really cool experience that i'm sure not a lot of tour alphabets can say they've had that's like the ultimate pinch me because it's like you already get your dream, right? Like you you book Alphaba. That's the dream. And then like something catastrophic and completely unpredictable happens. And then you get to be Alphaba in in the room with those people in a way that like you've never would have even thought you had the option. You have to like to collaborate be. with those people to build something, which is gotta be That's so cool. Nuts. Like you right, you got to like build Alphaba from scratch. With the original Super creatives. special experience. That's so cool. Something that kept coming to me during this interview, which has nothing to do with Talia. We started this podcast, like, during the depths of the pandemic. And it's crazy yeah. to actually, like, look at us now and be like, wow, life continued on. Yeah, I remember there's one episode early on where the Music Man marquee had just gone up. And we were like, I don't know. It's like, is Broadway ever even going to come back? Like, it's... <laughs> It's it seems yeah. kind of weird to put up a bill a new billboard like <laughs> and like now it's like yeah Broadway's here. I always think it's so interesting and curious how as a working actress you view yourself playing Alphaba in like the grand scheme of your career if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Where it's like if you think about like normal people working a job or whatever and it's like you know you're going to get this one job that's going to like be a great thing to have on your resume it's going to make you so attractive to any future jobs you apply to. To me, Alphabet would be that. And it was interesting to hear her kind of talk about the role of Alphabet in that way, where she's like very aware that like this is a good job to have under your belt, especially being as young as she is and how it could potentially yeah. open other doors for her. It's like going to like an Ivy League college because people know that there is an extremely high standard to get into that club. Oh my God, speaking of extremely high standards, when she said... Wicked doesn't make any mistakes. I was like, so I, true. So true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's true. Quincy, you kind of brought this up like directly with her, 
But it's crazy to me, like, how seasoned Talia comes off. Like, she... 100%. She has such, like, a healthy, realistic, grounded understanding of her situation. It feels like, to me, that she is mentally with Alphaba and the character and the role that this role has played in her life. She is mentally at where you would be at post your first Broadway contract as Alphaba. Like, it feels like where she is now finishing tour going into Broadway, she maybe shouldn't be as together and, like, oversight of it all as she currently is. She's so zoomed out about it. This role. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that as she navigates her Broadway contract that she maintains that. Yeah, I'm actually super interested to talk to her after this Broadway contract to see if it was... Everything she thought it would be and was, like, manageable or if, like, things still surprised her. Yeah. Talia, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I can't wait to see you as Alphaba on Broadway at the Gershwin Theater. Ding! <laughs> if you liked this episode, please... <laughs> all seriousness, please do drop us a good rating, a good comment, a good review. Subscribe. Tell your friends... We also have a Green Circle subscription. And all that jazz. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Sentimental Men. This episode was produced and edited by your hosts, Quincy Brown and Kevin Bianchi. You can reach us at sentimentalmenpod at gmail.com or on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at sentmenpod. You can support the pod by leaving us a rating or a review or by subscribing. Subscribers get early access to our regular episodes, monthly bonus episodes, and get added to the Scent Men Green Circle. Which is literally our close friends on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks to Julia DiMarzo for our thrillifying artwork. And thanks to you for tuning in. Till next time, I'm Quincy. And I'm Kevin. It's really the moment to be a score alpha. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry, continue. <laughs>